Well, welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. God bless you today as you tune in for this next 30 minutes. We're going to be studying the Word of God together. We're going to begin a new study this session in the first epistle of the Apostle John. And my, what a power-packed chapter this first chapter is. It's only 10 verses long, but I'm telling you, it is filled with a lot of truth. So uh, I know that you and I together, we're going to enjoy the study of this, wor- of, this, uh, of this letter. Praise God. Amen. Let's go ahead and begin by making a declaration. This is found in Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 12. Notice Paul writes and he says this. We're going to put this in the first person personal. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, I will put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long suffering. I will bear with others and I will forgive others. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ has forgiven me, so I also will forgive them. And above all things, I will put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And then notice this. And I will allow the peace of God to rule my heart. I will be thankful. I will allow the word of Christ to dwell in me richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing me in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in my heart to the Lord. And whatever I do in word or deed, I will do all in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father uh, through him. Amen. Praise God. Father, we just draw our attention and our hearts towards you. We ask you, Father, to help us in the ministry of your word and the study of your word. Father, draw uh, truth and reveal it to us. And Lord, we'll give you the praise, honor, and glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. In beginning, I want to uh, read a quote from A.T. Robertson concerning the first epistle of John. Listen to what he writes. There are few scholars who deny that the epistles of John and the fourth gospel are by the same writer. Notice that. Few scholars deny that. As a matter of fact, in the whole of the first epistle, there is hardly a single thought that is not found in the gospel. Amen. So we expect as we study through this first epistle that we are going to find uh, truth in the gospel of John that uh, that runs along the same path as this epistle. And so we're going to find that in this first chapter. Amen. So the Apostle John is the author of this epistle. He's writing to believers, and it's a word of caution to true believers concerning false teachers that were being brought into the church. And they were bringing, as Peter said, damnable heresies. So this caution that John is giving to the people of his day is also a caution uh, to us. Amen. Praise God, because there is a lot of false teaching in the church today. And I've always taught for the last many years, and I teach it again, that you and I individually, we have to derive the correct interpretation of the Scripture. And that means we have to go to the original source. We have to investigate. If if it means we have to uh, look at every word and a verse, 
and interpret that word and 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 uh, and understand the meaning of each word until we get an idea from the scripture. Because remember, the Bible's a living document. Amen. It's living. It's it's alive. It breathes. It breathes truth and revelation and illumination into us as we take time to study that. Praise God. Like the psalmist said many years ago, oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. And so once we look into the scriptures and then we have an understanding through observation what the scripture is saying to us, then we can interpret it. Because uh, Peter said this, he says the scripture is of no private interpretation. In other words, you're not going to come by one interpretation. That's correct. I'm not going to come by another interpretation of the same scripture. That's correct. One of us is wrong and one of us is right. Now, we can take that scripture and we can apply it in many different ways. We can apply it to our church, our community, individually, to our family. And that's how the word of God works. God speaks to us through the word and makes the word very relevant to us in the day and the time that we're living in. So but we have to get the correct interpretation. So uh, that's why we study the scriptures. That's why we pray over the scriptures. And that's why we ask the Holy Spirit to give us understanding, to come alongside of us, to help us. And there are many good scholars out there, many wonderful scholars that have the same idea, have the same view, that aren't interpreting Scripture according to their uh, denominational uh, guidelines, but they're, they're delving into the Scripture as it is, the word of truth, not the word of man, but as it is, the word of truth. Amen. And that's what we want. Praise God. All right, so let's go ahead and begin. First John. Uh, chapter one, we're going to read the first two verses. Now, notice this in the first section of this chapter. John is speaking of Jesus as the word of life. I want us to notice that. But notice in verse one, he says, but that which was from the beginning. Isn't that interesting? You know, there are four different uh, passages of Scripture all of them in the first chapter of a book, the first verse of the book that mention beginning. And of course, we know Genesis chapter one, verse one, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And we know that directly ties to the Lord Jesus Christ, because Paul writing to the Colossian church, Colossian church in chapter one and verses 16 and 17 said that uh, that Jesus Christ, all things were made by him and there was not anything made that was made. Amen. So Paul identifies Jesus with uh, the God of Genesis chapter one and verse one. And then, of course, Mark chapter one, verse one in the, be the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how that's where the, the gospel began. It began with the Lord Jesus. And then, of course, in the gospel of John, chapter one, verse one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Once again, we have Jesus being identified with the Godhead. And then, of course, this verse, 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, that which was from the, from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. Now, John is directing this statement towards those in the church who were the false teachers uh, they were primarily called the Gnostics. I know that uh, that Paul 
had a real problem with the Judaizers that were bringing false doctrine or attempting to bring false doctrine into the church. And uh, this quote is from A.T. Robinson. I want to go ahead and read it because it uh, is pertinent to uh, where we live today uh, within the church. Notice A.T. Robinson writes, there were two kinds of Gnostics, both agreeing in the essential evil of matter. Both had trouble with the person of Christ. The Docetic Gnostics denied the actual humanity of Christ. The Corinthian, not the Corinth, the Corinthian Gnostics distinguished between the man Jesus and the Aeon Christ that came on him at his baptism and left him on the cross. So these Gnostics were saying that Jesus was a man, just like you or I. And the only thing that distinguished him from us is the fact that in baptism, the spirit of God came on him and then the spirit of God left him on the cross. And of course, that was horrible, horrible doctrine. It was a doctrine that John opposed. Notice the effect now of this type of teaching. Uh, It says some practice asceticism. In other words, they they harm the body. Some licentiousness, they just whatever wanted, whatever they wanted to do, they did it. And John opposed both classes in his epistles. So this is mainly who uh, John is directing his attention towards. But also he's speaking to us today how important it is for us to know the truth. It's only in knowing the truth that we are going to be free. Amen. Praise God. Now, verse two. John writes, for the life, notice that, the life, not a life, the life, for the life was manifested, and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. How was it manifested? Through Jesus. Jesus is the author of life. Amen. Zoe. It's called Zoe. Zoe life. Life is God has it. He's the one that brought to us that life. Praise God. And so these first two verses, what John is saying is that this is my testimony. This is what I have come to know. This is what I have heard. This is what I've seen with my eyes. This is what I've looked upon. This is what I've touched and handled. And then he says of the word of life. And of course, that's Jesus. Jesus is the word of life. Amen. Praise God. All right, now verse 3 says this, that uh, we're going we're gonna to read verse 3 and then we're going to back up a little bit. Uh, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us and surely our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, uh, Jesus Christ. Now, uh, fellowship, this word is very important in this first chapter, but Let's back up and let's just uh, read the things that uh, that Jesus said concerning himself. Notice this in John chapter five, verse 26. He says, for as the father has life in himself, so has he given the son to have life in himself. That says exactly what we just read in verse two of this epistle. The life was manifested in God and has been manifested to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And then John says this, 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In Him, verse 4, was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus said this in John chapter 8, 51, Verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. And that means that he will live in perpetual life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Notice Jesus said this, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And then backing up in John chapter 11, he, Jesus said these words now to Mary and to Martha and those that were around uh, the two. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? So the fact that we have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for the full pardon of sins, we have repented of sin, we have received Christ as Savior, we are now born again creatures of God. Amen. Praise God. We'll never die. Now, we'll die physically, but we'll never die spiritually. Those who are standing outside of Christ that don't know him, they are already dead. They're already spiritual dead. And their future is the second death. For those of us who believe, we shall never die, and our future is eternal life. Amen. So every individual born of woman is going to exist throughout eternity. And our choice that we make and have made and continue to make every day is we choose life. And that's eternal life. And that life is found in the Lord Jesus. Praise God. Now, Jesus said this in John chapter 14 and uh, verse 19. Yet a little while and the world sees me no more. But you see me because I live. You shall live also. And then that great uh, intercessory prayer in John chapter 17, Jesus in praying to the Father says this, As you have given him power over all flesh, talking about himself, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. Aren't you glad that the Father gave you to Christ? Oh, praise God. And now you are enjoying eternal life in him. Praise the Lord. Amen. So let's go on to verse three now. We've read it and we'll go ahead and read it again. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. All right. So that's John's background. This is what he's basing this letter upon. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us. That is a key portion of this verse. See, we're going to break down fellowship who you and I as true believers can have fellowship in. But we, first of all, we've got to understand this word fellowship. It doesn't mean greeting on the street. It doesn't mean sharing a meal with somebody. It doesn't mean going to somebody's house or visiting somebody. Fellowship is the Greek word koinonia. And really to just, you know, to abbreviate the definition, this is really what koinonia means. It means to have a partnership with, in, a partnership in, a participation with, and a benefit of a fellowship centered around the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We're going to get into this. I'm getting a little bit 
ahead of myself, but not not too far ahead of myself. But uh, we're going to see more concerning this fellowship. Brotherhood meetings are not the Bible description of fellowship. Let me go ahead and say that. Midweek dinners. Dinners and a movie. That's not biblical fellowship. That's things we may want to do because we enjoy doing that. That's fine. But that's not biblical fellowship. And we do not need to limit biblical fellowship just to having parties or surrounding ourselves with a meal or this or that or the other or playing a um, on a softball team or a basketball team, anything like that. That's not true biblical fellowship. And we're going to see that as we go along here. Let's let's go ahead and read verse three again. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ. This is fellowship. Notice once again, verse three, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. So we are declaring, hearing and seeing and declaring what we have come to know to be the truth. And that is Jesus Christ, God's son, our savior, second person of the Godhead and our friend, because we are no longer enemies now through the new birth. We are no longer enemies. We have switched sides. We have been translated out of the power of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. We have now become friends with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. But notice that. Uh, well, let's read verse four. And these things we write unto you that your joy may be full. Notice that that your joy may be full. As a matter of fact, let's read three and four together again. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us. And listen to this. And truly. Our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ. That is true biblical fellowship. And let me go ahead and say this right now. If you have a Wednesday night service, a midweek service, and it's a Bible study, you go to that Bible study. Amen. Because that's part of true biblical fellowship. If you share a meal with one another, well, good. Well, share that meal around the revelation of Jesus Christ. Having a meal and on a Wednesday night service and talking about politics or talking about sports or fishing or whatever, that's really not true biblical fellowship. And we do that all the time. But we need to be encouraging one another. We need to be exhorting one another in the word of God. I remember years ago in the charismatic movement, uh, we'd have uh, all of our friends over to the house and we'd have a meal, a cookout or whatever. But then we would sit around after dinner and we would talk. Sometimes we'd talk for hours just concerning the word of God, just just exhorting one another, edifying one another concerning the things that we have come to know from reading and studying the word of God. I tell you, tremendous times. And when those meetings uh, broke up, I'm telling you, we were so spiritually edified and built up. But you don't see much of that anymore. And that's an absolute shame. And we need to get back to those kind of groups and meetings and things like that. I know there's a lot of personal Bible studies going on, and I thank God for it. Amen. That's true biblical fellowship. When we center our, our fellowship around 
Jesus and the Word. Praise God. Amen. So John says here in these two verses that he's the witness of what he's seen and heard. And he's declaring what he's seen and heard to those he's writing to so that they too can have fellowship with them as they fellowship with God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So as I said before, that Jesus Christ is the foundation and the basis of all Christian fellowship. Amen. Hallelujah. And then John goes on and he says this, These things we write unto you that your joy may be full. This is what brings tremendous joy into a church, into a fellowship, is when we begin to fellowship around our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we exclude everything else. Now, if we're going out to eat, you know, if we're going to share a meal with somebody and they want to talk about politics or they want to talk about sports, that's fine. But you're not going to get edified that way. It's sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's sharing the things that we have come, that we have seen and heard concerning God the Father and God the Son. That's what stirs up great fellowship and great joy. Amen. Praise God. I know you, you've witnessed this as well as I have, or you've experienced this as well as I have. You find you talk to somebody uh, who is a fellow Christian and wind up talking about everything but Jesus. And you leave that association or you leave that conversation and you're not edified. As a matter of fact, uh, sometimes you think, man, I wish I hadn't run into that fellow. I wish I hadn't run into that sister. No, true joy, full joy comes through fellowshipping around the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Notice in Acts chapter two, verses 42, and they continued steadfastly. In the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Notice that. But notice that Luke, when he records this verse of Scripture, he, he sets a difference between fellowship and breaking of bread. And why did he do that? Once again, it's because true Christian fellowship, koinonia, is centered around Christ and his word. And it has nothing to do with the weather or sports or politics or anything else. But I want you to also notice that in this verse, koinonia is always placed ahead of breaking a bread. So that should be the utmost purpose when we come together. It's not to eat, drink, or to be happy. It's to come together to worship Christ together, to exhort one another, to lift up Christ, to edify one another. As iron sharpens iron, so the man, the countenance of his friend. Amen. Do you want to you want to bless your brother and sister? Well, center your conversation when you come to church. Center your conversation around Jesus. When you're doing a church function, center your conversation around Jesus. Praise God. And I tell you, it will have marvelous results upon the meeting. Praise God. All right. Now, these last five verses. Uh, John is going to talk about how God is light. Verse five, notice then, this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Notice that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And that's simply saying that Jesus is the life. He is the light. 
Notice what Jesus said of himself. Again, therefore, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Amen. Hallelujah. And this is the message, John says, that God is light and in him is no, no darkness at all. That means that Jesus Christ is pure illumination. He's pure revelation. And the only way that you and the only way that you and I are going to get an illumination and revelation is that we have got to look into the word of life. We have it before us. All 66 books, primarily the 27 that are in the New Testament. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. We want to find in the word of God. Such a reality, it seems like the words on the page just lift themselves up. Hallelujah. That's great revelation. That's fellowship. Fellowshipping with Jesus around his word. Fellowshipping with Jesus around prayer. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Barnes says this. He says, light in the scriptures is the emblem of purity, truth, knowledge, prosperity, and happiness. All that is found in Jesus. Praise God. He's the light. As darkness is of the opposite. John here says that God is light. That's the Greek word phus. Not the light or a light, but light itself. That is, he is himself all light and is the source and fountain of light in all worlds. Praise God. Amen. I tell you what, you cannot give a greater appellation than what I've just read to the Lord Jesus Christ. That blesses him, that glorifies him, and it blesses us too. Amen? Praise the Lord. Verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him, remember now we've already talked about true biblical fellowship. It's participating in the, the, uh, the word of life. It's partnering with the word of life. It's benefiting our brothers and sisters, both in giving and receiving the word of life. This is what creates fullness of joy. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Think about that. We lie and do not the truth. Now, this is directed towards false teachers, directed specifically toward the Gnostics of John's day. They're in darkness. Even though they claim to have light, they're in darkness. I have an older brother who was a Jehovah Witness. And do you know how he got into Jehovah Witnesses? He saw a bright light. That wasn't the light from heaven. That was an angel of light that deceived him. Because I'm telling you right now, Jehovah Witness doctrine is not the light. And though they claim it to be the light, they are in terrible Terrible darkness. Terrible darkness. Jesus said that. Notice this in, in Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 and 23. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, or in other words, if your eyes are blind, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you, false doctrine, false believing, following a false leader, like so many in the denominational churches are doing today, 
But if the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Oh, I'm telling you. You know, James said this. We studied this when we went through the book of James in, uh, in chapter 3. Be not the many teachers, knowing that you will receive the greater condemnation. What a horrible day when false teachers stand before the Lord Jesus, knowing that they have poisoned the minds and hearts of thousands of people, and they are in hell today because of what they taught. God have mercy on our souls. God have mercy on our souls. It is so important to know the truth, to get the accurate interpretation, and then apply it correctly. Amen. Verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I want you to notice this now. This word cleanse, it comes from the Greek word, a verb, katharizo, and it means to cleanse. It's in this verse, it's in the present active indicative sense of the third person. And basically what that means is that while we're walking in the light, the blood of Jesus Christ is cleansing us. Just like when you ingest food, amen, and you're, you're, the food that you ingest passes through your in, inner organs and cleanses. There's a constant cleansing in the liver. There's a constant cleansing of the blood. Well, if that happens to our physical bodies, this also happens to our souls, amen, and to our spirits. When we walk in the light, the blood of Jesus is cleansing us from all sin, keeping us in the right way. And then verse 8 says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in. Notice that, we deceive ourselves. We've got to know the truth. If we don't know the truth, notice what James says, Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving our own selves. See, let's not be self-deceived. And then verse 9, John says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and once again, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's in the aorist tense, and basically what that means is that the moment that we confess our sins, God cleanses us. Amen. So those that are false doctrine, when they realize that they're in false doctrine and they repent and get things right, God cleanses them from that. Amen. And then finally, verse 10, that says, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. We don't want to make Jesus a liar. We don't want to have to stand before him one day. Amen. And have Jesus say to us, you called me a liar. Oh, I don't want to be there. Do you? Father, we love you with all of our heart, mind, soul and strength, Lord. And Lord, we just look to you for accuracy as we study the word of God, the Holy Spirit to come alongside of us and to reveal truth to us. And Lord, we'll be careful to give you all the praise and honor and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen.
If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.